0: have our ways, a face in rainy days, and somehow we survive. Hi, I'm Sherry.
1: And I'm Fran.
0: Welcome to Modern Widow Podcast Season 2, Episode 6 of our It's All About Love series. Fran, boy, do we have another great show planned for today. We are interviewing Bill and Liz Wardle, who just celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary. And we're also interviewing Gary and Irene Peters, who recently celebrated their 49th anniversary. And once again, it's all about love. Fran, before we interview our two pair of lovebirds, you know what time it is.
1: It's time for weekend shenanigans, notable events.
0: And why don't you go first?
1: Okay. Well, um, I think our listeners kind of knew that you and I were both uh, going to be traveling. And both entailed air travel. I, my trip was to Pennsylvania. So after spending six days in Pennsylvania, it was time to head back to Michigan. Now I have to go from one small airport to another small airport, connecting through Chicago O'Hare. My flight from Pennsylvania to Chicago was delayed due to weather which is understandable, but it was going to arrive too late to make my connection to South Bend. So, okay, uh, now I'm going to get into South Bend about 11.30 at night instead of 9.30. Okay, I have a layover. I'll get a bite to eat and something to drink. It was actually going to be great because we were going to depart from the same exact gate that we arrived at. I didn't have to go anywhere. Five minutes before we were ready to board, they canceled the flight entirely. And now there's no more flights to South Bend that night. So I am literally 60 miles across the lake from my home and can't get there. So I called my guy who was to pick me up in South Bend and he promptly said, I'm getting on the highway and I'll pick you up at O'Hare, which is at least an hour drive. I arranged to get my um, luggage, which actually went much better than I expected. He picked me up And we arrived home about 3.30 the next morning. Um, Needless to say, he is a great guy. And I slept 12 hours.
0: Wow. Yeah. I had an airport experience that I'm not going to talk about this week, but I might talk about it in a later episode (laughs) on my way to and from Arizona.
1: Well, you got to have more shenanigans than that right now.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, I had weekend shenanigans, notable events when I was in Arizona. I was there this past weekend celebrating with Bill and Liz Wardle, their 75th wedding anniversary, Fran. 75 years of wedded bliss. I am amazed. I know. And so if you've been married 75 years, that means that you are in your 90s. Right. And there were parties, and then there were afterglow parties, and then there were after the afterglow party. So the whole weekend was filled with celebrating their 75th wedding anniversary. And I have to say, it was wonderful. And as Fran always says, a good time was had by all and
1: a better time was had by some. There you go.
0: (laughs) And that's our weekend shenanigans notable events. We also have some more love letters to read this week. And Fran, why don't you go first?
1: Okay, because these uh, seem to be popular and I'm actually learning a lot from them. These are set back again in in a time before phones and before texting and emailing. And the only form of communication they had was penning a, a handwritten note or letter and sending it off to um, the love of their life. So my first one is from Victor Hugo, who is a French writer, to Adèle Fauché, his future wife, in 1822. And their engagement had just become official. Oh, God, for two days, I have been asking myself every moment if such happiness is not a dream It seems to me that what I feel is not of earth. I cannot yet comprehend this cloudless heaven.
0: Oh, wow. Very nice.
1: Yeah. And they just got engaged, which was very nice. This one, I love this one. This is from Prince de Joinville, uh, an aristocratic French adventurer, to Rachel Felix, an actress, in 1840, on seeing her share for the very first time. This is what he wrote to her. Where, when, how much? And her reply, your place, tonight, free. Love it. I do. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, like, concise and to the point, and yet, oh, my gosh, I have goosebumps.
0: Yes, simple and yet leaves one to their imagination. Oh, yes.
1: And I have one more. The last one is from a William Congreve, an English uh, dramatist to Arabella Hunt, who was a songstress in 1690. Recall to mind what happened last night. That at least was a lover's kiss. It's eagerness, it's fierceness, it's warmth. But oh, its sweetness and its melting softness, with trembling in my limbs and fevers in my soul, I ravished it. Wow. Yeah, they, they knew how to
0: write back then. Yes, they did. <laughs> well, my first one was written by Paul Elard, a French poet, and he wrote it to his first wife, Gayla, in 1930. And they married in 1917. They separated in 1930, and they were divorced in 1932. She went on to marry Salvador Dali in 1934. Paul married twice after Gala, but he continued to be fascinated with her until his death in 1952. He wrote, Everything you do souses me, terrifies me, tortures me, elates me. Everything you do is perfect oh my <laughs> and he didn't he didn't die that long ago this is like no he's no time. this is in the 1900 1950 and wow. she was married to salvador Dali. Wow. My God. wow wow hmm. here's another one just one sentence from alexander pushkin who's a russian poet To Anna Kern in 1825, speak to me of love. I thirst for it. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. And we want to once again encourage our listeners to write their loved one a love letter this week. As you can see, it doesn't have to be long. Some of the ones that we read were just one sentence. And once again, who wouldn't enjoy getting a love letter, Fran? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: We are honored having Bill and Liz Wardle with us today as part of Modern Widow Podcast. Bill and Liz just celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary. And all I can say to that is, wow, can you imagine 75 years? They are going to share their love story with us, which started in 1943 during World War II. Bill and Liz, welcome to Modern Widow Podcast.
2: Well, thank you very much. Hey, 75 years has gone quickly. Oh. Really have.
0: That is so sweet to hear. We would so enjoy hearing your love story, where your love story started, how your love story started, and how you met. So please, tell us about the Bill and Liz Wardle love story.
2: Well, I earned my living playing music. But when you go in the Army, they don't pay any attention to that. I wound up in a... Gladder Field Artillery Battalion in Camp McCall, North Carolina, but fortunately got transferred into the band, which uh, I say fortunately, that's the way I earned my living and certainly was much more enjoyable being in the service doing that. Well, we were playing for a dance one night. When I say band, I should point out that the Army has a big band, but then within the Army there are little bands for dancing and stuff like that and entertainment And uh, I was in one of those. It was a 17-piece band, same instrumentation as Glenn Miller. Four saxes, four trumpets. I won't go on with that. It was a great band. And they used to, excuse me, they used to truck these gals from the local area into the, into all chaperoned, of course. and, And I mean truck. They used army truck to bring them in. To dance with the GIs and the in the service clubs on a regular schedule they had these dances for hundreds of guys in there and the gals came in and danced with them this was going on one night I was playing in the band the gals restroom was backstage so when they left the restroom they had to go across the stage to the dance floor to get with the guys again well they had to naturally go among the band and they Two of these gals saw the piano player, which is me, and they didn't think he was doing very much. So they stopped to gawk, and, well, we took a break. When we took a break, we started talking. And I started talking to the one who became my wife. And, uh, of course, that was a moment that uh, I didn't know about in the time that it, that was going to develop like that, but it was a great moment, and it went on from there. That was the beginning.
0: And where were you? stationed at this time
2: that was in north carolina camp mccall north carolina near aberdeen eight miles from her home and uh after we got acquainted and uh, we dated some uh, and because of our organization that is the division needing revision we got to stay there six months otherwise we'd have been gone long before so i got to know her for six months which was great and we decided that we were the right ones for each other and i put this together in a little poem incidentally which i'll read for you in a minute but uh, we got together and realized we were the ones for each other and uh, i was shipped overseas for 19 months and when i came back guess what she was still there And, uh, and
0: and where were you where did you go when you went overseas
2: I spent most of the war in my... I, immediately, we went to uh, England, of course, and then uh, Germany and then France. I'm not Germany, but uh, England and then France. And I spent most of the war in France.
0: And you were still in the band? You were part of the... No,
2: as a matter of fact, no. They, Because of the revision of this division, they broke up the band, of all things. All of the guys in the band were musicians. Uh, about of the 36... There were about 30 of them that were professional musicians and really did not get the kind of training they should have gotten to be infantrymen. When they decided to change this division, they broke up the band. They sent us over as infantry replacements. I had never yet seen an M1 rifle. And we were to be in a six-week refresher course and then sent to combat. And uh, here we are over there learning all of these infantry requirements. And one night, a buddy of mine, a trumpet player, and I went to town and heard a band playing, a small group playing, as we did when we were locally in North Carolina. We stopped to talk to the sergeant as he took a break. He was the trumpet player, lead trumpet player in the band, and uh, asked him, you know, where what are you with? Who's, what's the band? And so forth. And he told us that the general had wanted a band, so he put together a group. If you blew a horn or even blew your nose in high school, you were in the band.
0: <laughs>
2: so most of them weren't very good, but they had a band and were looking for musicians. And we told him, we've got 30 of them over here, you know, that would love to be in uh, in a band. And uh, he took down our names and... The next morning, when we're ready for a 25 mile hike, and incidentally, we're just two weeks from going into combat. Uh, This buddy of mine and I uh, made this contact, told him about all these good musicians back there. And the next morning, when we fell out for formation, why my name was called, they put me on a train. It was about a 15 minute train ride and I found myself in front of the band and got talking to the band director, and he asked me to play. I should explain, they wanted me for a piano player. An Army band, uh, of course, doesn't uh, have a piano player in it, but they have the small bands within the big bands and needs piano players. But because I was also a trumpet player, I was qualified to go in the band. Unless you have the right M.O., you can't get in the band. So uh, he heard me play, Libby. He said, "Well, I'll tell you right now, you're in the band and I want you to give me 10 names of uh, guys that I play instruments that I'm going to ask you about. And he gave me a list of 10 instruments and asked me to name the guys. And he made, drew out some orders to send uh, to the replacement center where they were so that he could get them in the band. Well, unfortunately, they left for combat a few days before the orders got there so these guys never got in the band but because i had been uh, one of them to get out there and discover them i was fortunate enough to have been transferred into their band and spent the rest of the war there fulfilling the functions that band has to uh, fulfill and very very fortunate and of course very glad that i was able to do that because these guys were in combat and it wasn't pleasant. Some of them did not come back.
0: Well, that's very sad. But while you were over in Europe, how did you and Liz remain connected?
2: Well, when we left, we said we'd uh, we'd keep in touch, but we didn't know how much we'd keep in touch. (laughs) I wrote every day. Guess what? She did too. We hadn't planned it that way, but that's where it happened. Many a letter did I write in a what you would call a pup tent, a little half by half and half, I forget what they call them actually, with a candle. I wrote many a letter that way at nighttime with a candle. I would go 30 days not hearing from her. She'd go 30 days not hearing from me, and then we'd get 30 letters. That's the way it (gasps) went. That's the way it went for 19
0: months. Oh, well, speaking of writing letters, Fran and I, in our previous segment, we read love letters from long ago. And Bill, I know you wrote a love letter poem to Liz on your 60th wedding anniversary, and you updated it and read it again on your 75th celebration. And I hope you would share that with our audience.
2: Okay, I didn't really write it again, but uh, I just took a couple of excerpts from the one I did for the sixty-first because I thought it expressed most accurately the way I feel about her. You see, I'm going to keep her, just because I've had her for seventy-five years—not enough. I'm going to keep her longer than that. Very cute. That, yeah, that—that—that's right. That was a funny. I'm sorry about that. All right, this is one of uh, hun- hundreds that I've written. And uh, it's sort of the way I did whatever when when I was MCing an event or something in my uh, career of, of doing that sort of thing. I would al- always usually write some kind of a verse to, I don't know, liven things up or whatever. But anyway, here is the one that you requested me to read for the seventy-fifth. I should tell you right now, uh, quickly, that uh, my dear bride's nickname is Buck. So when I talk about Buck, I'm talking about her. I was one of thousands of guys at Camp McCall, NC, playing in the band one night. This is what happened to me. It was a night in 43, and I'll remember it all my life, because at that time, unknown to me, I'd met my future wife. You see, two young girls stopped by to watch the band play on the stage, and neither were musicians, nor were they yet of age. Betty Blue was one of them and her cat companion's name was Buck. It was Buck that I was chatting with and that was pure good luck. So we dated lots before I shipped to France in World War II. When I left, I wrote each day and guess what? She did too. I was gone for 19 months to distant wartime France and while she remained near Camp McCall and those GIs that loved to dance but I had no fear. I knew she'd be there when this horrible thing was done. We'd meet and plan for that great day, October 01. And that we did. We were joined as one and one would always be. It worked quite well, as you can see, with that dancing girl and me. Buck brought to Earth four daughters. Of course, I helped in that chore. The four of them had 13 kids and the 13 had 20 more. Of course, an awful lot had happened during those early married years. We spent seven years with music. We loved it. That was clear. Every year, was coast to coast, enjoying every mile, new friends, 40 states. And it lasted quite a while. But then came school for Barbara. She had arrived at age six. So the traveling show was over, but we had the perfect fix. 30 years in radio, also on TV. Sure, it was a good life. For Elizabeth and me. The kids grew up an empty house. My bride wants more to do. Well, Triton College needed her. A secretary like very few. But then, she's good at all she does. At this time again, I'll go to the verse that I wrote for our 60th. I can't say it better, I know. My darling wife, it's hard to see from 100,000 guys that you'd pick a guy like me are you quite sure that was wise? But I'm so very glad you did. And I thank the Lord each night for your true and gentle love. You've done it all just right. And that was for the 75th.
0: Absolutely a beautiful tribute to... Well, we're, not only wor-
2: listen- we're, we're working on the 76th. <laughs>
0: Good. And I hope many, many more. Before we close for today, are there any words of advice you would like to share with our audience on how to have a long-lasting, loving marriage?
2: Well, number one is you have to really be in love. You really have to love and care for the person you married. And when you love someone, you want to do anything you can to please them and make them happy. If you know that there's something that they might like, you do it. I think it's that simple. When both do that, really care about what the other person would enjoy, take action.
0: Beautifully said. Bill and Liz, thank you so much. This has truly been an honor having you on our show.
2: Well, Shirley, thank you, uh, Sherry, very much. It it takes me back to many years in broadcasting, and I'm ready to go. Let's plan on the the 80th anniversary.
0: That is a deal.
2: Good. I'm only 98. Maybe I'll make it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: We also want to welcome to our show today another pair of lovebirds, Gary and Irene Peters, who have been married for 49 years. Now, this is a very special interview for me because Gary is my brother and Irene is my sister-in-law, and I love them both dearly. But there is also another connection. Renee is Bill and Liz's daughter, which makes Gary their son-in-law. Gary and Irene will share their love story with us today. Gary and Irene, welcome to Modern Widow Podcast. Thank you.
3: Hi, Sherry. Hi, Fran.
1: Hi, Gary and Reenie.
0: And Reenie, is it okay if we call you Reenie?
1: That's what everyone calls me.
0: Okay, let's start the interview.
1: First of all, I want to offer my congratulations and happiness Tarini, to your mom and dad, I just had the chance to watch uh, one of the videos that you posted of your dad playing uh, songs for your mom. He's 98, which is pretty unbelievable. Um, he is an amazing, accomplished pianist. And uh, like I said in my post, it, it gave me goosebumps and I, I had a lump in my throat. That being said, congratulations to you two on celebrating 49 years together, which again is in this day and age is absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, My parents were married for 50 years. And just the thought that someone, uh, a, a pair, a couple of my peers, you and Gary are now celebrating 49 going on 50. It's amazing I know a lot of that has to do with um, good health, but there's an awful lot more that goes into it than than that. Than that. I'm going to give you some questions. Uh, you can decide if one or the other of you want to answer it, or if both of you want to answer it. Okay. 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 So the first is how and where did you meet and how did that meeting turn into your first real date?
4: Well, uh, I'll, I'll answer that because, uh, as as Sherry knows, uh, we uh, were raised on a small inland lake in Southwest Michigan, and my brother and I, my sister, and our and some of the other neighbors, uh, we were on that lake from morning until dusk every day. And in the summer of 1965. Uh, while we're water skiing and enjoying the life on a on a small lake in Michigan it, it couldn't happen there weren't that many kids on the lake that were our age and all of a sudden two girls showed up on the dock at a at a campsite that was just up the road from us and if I remember right I was water skiing and i I thought I would show off a little bit because i <laughs> to it's true. I wanted him to know who I was, but uh, I do remember that uh, after, we, after we got done skiing, which was very quickly after that, we're seeing them, my brother and I, and I believe it was Bob Rice, we kind of motored the boat over to the dock to see who these girls were, and it was Rainy and her friend Debbie from Chicago. It was very nice to have a sister that was their same age because I believe they could use that as an excuse to come down to the house, and, and uh, that would give me more opportunity to get to know Rainy. So that was the summer of 1965. I was 14, and Rainy was 12 when I met her. Oh. So soon thereafter, July 4th of the, that year, she turned 13, which made her legal.
1: <laughs> sort of. <laughs> sort of.
3: Legal. legal to ski with the neighbors. <laughs> well,
1: how did that progress uh, to the point that you actually went out on a real date?
4: Well, that... It would be a couple of years uh, before we really went on a date. From that it was 1965, and uh, of course, as you know, uh, we're at Rush Lake, the small lake we lived on, was uh, not near any major city. And so, for for the summer of '65 and the summer of '66, uh, we just enjoyed each other's company. Uh, weekends on the weekends, hmm. the summer weekends, with the group. Uh, with the group, it wasn't just us. It was always with uh, our friends across the lake uh, and. Reading with her friend and Sherry, it was a it was a small group, maybe six, seven, eight people, uh, uh, kids at the same time. But we did enjoy. Uh, I I believe I taught her how to water ski. I didn't okay. teach her. I did not have to teach her how to swim. She was a fantastic swimmer. We did enjoy going up to the campsite where the they would stay. And I do remember doing slow dances back then. You know, we didn't. I didn't do fast dancing back then, but we did do slow dancing and. I, I remember the one song we like to dance to is Save Your Heart for Me. So
1: By uh, Gary
3: Lewis. By
4: Gary Lewis. Oh, Gary Lewis. Yeah.
1: yeah, Gary Lewis.
4: Yes. So that's what we did for two summers. Uh, and I do remember that I always felt uh, extremely sad come Labor Day because we would not see each other until the next, probably next Memorial Day. So it was a whole year, wow. basically, of uh, not seeing uh, someone I really cared for.
1: And then your first date? Yeah. Tell us about your first actual date.
4: Our first actual date, we were we discussed that several times. She thought she was turning 16, but she actually was turning 15 because I had just got my driver's license in 1967. And we went on our first date to Saugatuck, Michigan, to a fine dining restaurant called The Terra, where Renie had her first lobster and I had surf and turf. And I really, I mean, for that, I was working on a farm, so... Buying surf and turf and lobster at the Terra Restaurant was probably the entire summer's uh, income for me. Uh, also paying for the gas to get up there to Saugatuck from our, our small uh, small lake and home in Hartford, Michigan.
1: Well, the Terra the Terra was beautiful.
4: It was a gorgeous restaurant, and I had seen it many times because our parents would drive by, but I I just wanted to take. Reenie there, and I took her there on her fifteenth birthday.
3: And I had never been on a date before. I oh. technically wasn't allowed to date till I was sixteen, and to this day, I'm not sure my parents know I went there.
0: <laughs> I <don't laughs> well, learn. they will after this podcast.
3: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you, that it was. You hadn't dated. You hadn't dated till no. then,
3: and they allowed me to go up every weekend with my best friend. Um, they knew them well, and. Everything was innocent and sweet, and um, and then there was the state, which kind of made things official. Although nothing ever happened, and I think we—that's almost how the summer ended. But it was—it's a very wonderful memory for me because it really was my first date, and to have lobster—I'd never had it before. So you were
1: impressed. He impressed you.
3: Yes. I
0: have a I have a question for you. Uh, during the school year, when you didn't see each other, did you write letters back and forth?
1: Yeah, I was going to ask the
3: same thing. I think we did did. in the beginning, but then we both got caught up in our own um, high school lives, which were busy. And no, we really did not communicate much throughout those years until summer came again.
4: In the beginning, I think because you were so young.
3: Well, and you were very active in your school sports and sure. I did homework, and yeah, we had our lives. It just was sort of a summer fling, it seemed.
4: I do remember our second date. I took her to a drive-in <laughs> to okay. watch. Uh, was it? I forgot the name of it.
3: The
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Dirty Dozen. I took her to huh? the. The sad thing about that, seeing that movie, is I watched the whole thing. So.
3: <laughs> yes, it was a very
0: innocent date, honestly. <laughs> very innocent.
4: It was a, yeah, so. Oh my gosh! Oh my
0: gosh! That's and probably one great. of the most romantic movies you could ever find. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I was a big fan of Telly Savalas, so. though.
1: <laughs> well. um, both of you can answer this or one. If you had to describe um, what your love story is, what your love story is, how, how would you describe that?
4: Well, I'll, I'll answer that. First of all, 1967 was the last summer that Rennie came up for several years. We, as we were in high school and everybody just got busy with their own lives and, and growing up. And so I we we did not see each other after the 1967 summer until the summer of 1970. Yeah. So I wow. think uh maybe the, the the phrase absence makes the heart grow fonder but I always I mean I always thought of her. I mean I I really did. I do remember uh telling my mother one day Renie was walking down the road and she was by herself and she and she was getting ready to walk into our front yard and I was standing on the front porch with mom and I saw her and I said, I told my mother, I said, I love her and I'm going to marry her. And I can just remember what my mother said. Oh, Gary.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I can hear her saying that. too.
4: <laughs> but uh, it, it did come true. And uh, 68 and 69, uh, it was the year I graduated it was 69. when I mean, he was still in high school. We still didn't get together until my, the summer after my freshman year in college. And I guess at that time, I realized that there was nobody for me but Reenie.
3: Well, and my friends that I went to the lake with those years went up again and saw Gary on the lake. And they said, do you have a girlfriend? And he said, not anymore. And they knew I didn't have a boyfriend anymore. And so they invited me up and they had asked Gary, if she comes up, will you see her? And I came up and this is kind of a funny story. There were two other couples that went up and I was the fifth wheel and Gary knew we had come to town. So we came to the door and uh, we talked a minute and he said, well, I can't go out tonight because I have a date I can't break, but I can break tomorrow's date and we can go out. And at that moment, I wanted to go back home, but I didn't. And I waited till Saturday and we went out and the rest is history. Mm -hmm.
4: And I'll tell you that Friday night date I broke it off very quickly and left, and I came back to see Rey.
1: <laughs> oh, oh gosh, well, see, and so that kind of tells you that uh you you, you knew your heart, you knew your heart. there's a saying on um, the heart, the heart wants what the heart wants. you know, you guys uh, in forty nine years, obviously it wasn't all um you know roses. Uh, I'm sure you went through some. Difficult times. Uh, I know Gary was in the service. I know you had uh, you moved uh, throughout your marriage. If you had to name one thing that has that you could attribute your happy, lasting marriage to, um, what would it be? And I'd like to I'd like to hear what each of you have to say.
4: You hit on a key point. You know, we were in the military for 30 years and we did move a lot. And moving is a very stressful time and it uh, requires now, patience, and also a lot of teamwork, uh, especially between husband and wife, or Reenie and Gary. Reenie always—we always bought houses, but Reenie always made it a home. And the one thing, you know, when we started having children, and we were married eight years before we had our first, our first son. And I was—even though I had to go away, and sometimes as long as six months—I uh, I knew that my children were in great hands with with Reenie she there was nobody more loving and and uh, more devoted to her family and to me than reading and i i think i knew that from the first time i met her that she was going to be my soulmate so to speak until death do us part uh-huh. so i think the military separations and moving uh, which are very stressful and the fact that i used to get you know i got i would get excited about going on a deployment but at the same time i had a um Uh, some anxiety because I I knew I was how much I was going to miss her. And Rini took, always took care of the house and and the home.
3: And he missed, it was hard for him too, because he missed a lot of um, children's first steps, birthdays, Christmas. Um, But as complex as the military life is, um, it was very rewarding. And of course we got to spend many of those years in Hawaii and it was a great place to raise our family. Even alone, I had a lot of friends in the same boat, and we depended on each other. And I wouldn't change a thing. It, it was wonderful. And um, really, that's all I have to say about that. It's just, I know people think different things about military life, but it was very good to us. And we were actually in it 31 years.
4: In the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, here's, um, here's what I heard. There was a lot of teamwork. There was a lot of um, resilience. There was a lot of flexibility. Um, The fact that you shared and had the same goals, and that you knew you were making a home and a life together. Yes, that's exactly right, Fran. Okay. All right. So... If you were to meet, and you know how you meet, you go to weddings and you meet, you talk to the young couples or any more, they don't even have to be young. They just, they're couples starting out. They don't have to absolutely be young people. Um, What advice would you give them as they're just starting their, their journey together?
3: Well, I'll start with that. But I wanna start
1: by saying that, you know, we both have
3: parents who set these wonderful examples for us. Marriages of 65 years and 75 years. And so we grew up learning how to work through conflict and challenges, which we know every couple and family has. So we witnessed commitment. So I think we both had a real advantage to begin with. But for advice in general, you know, of course, it's the logical words of respect and listening to each other and remembering the little things count and don't sweat the small stuff. But for me, the best advice I could give is to keep it fun and to laugh a lot. You know, when I met Gary, he had a lot of wonderful characteristics. And the sense of humor is really what drew me in. And I'd have to say that's really what carried us through a lot of hard times, whether it was family illnesses or crises, you know, children, all the things you have. So having a good sense of humor and making life fun. And Gary has certainly kept that going for me.
4: My advice uh, would be, I, I mean, I agree completely with Rini, is that uh, I love her because she laughs at me a lot. So <laughs> I'm a funny guy. But,
1: <laughs> yeah, we all know you're funny, Gary. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but she brought up the point about my parents and her parents and their commitment to each other and the love they have for each other. And I really want to pass that on to my children. Uh, I want all my, all my, uh, three kids to have that same long lasting relationship with, with, with a partner that, you know, bears the test of time. And I think the key to that is, is never stop learning. I you know how to love each other. I mean, I don't mean the touchy feely love. I'm just talking how, how to become one with each other, uh, through love and, uh, so never stop learning how to take care of one another, how to cherish one another, how to love one another. Uh, I think those are that's the key. Once you stop learning, uh then I think uh the relationship can die. So I that's my whole goes. I just want to keep learning every day and uh and show her how much I love her.
1: Well I I I think I made the comment to Jay that too many couples give up too soon, too too easily, and you have to have that commitment to work through uh, the hard times, to to find a way through and get through to the other side, and and still love each other. And uh, you know, it doesn't every single day doesn't have to be a high level of excitement. You know, you get to that point in a long term relationship or marriage where um, you're just so comfortable you're so content and you just you just want to be with that person that's true and and you know Fran and Sherry
3: while we we sat this morning going over things that might come up on this podcast and that was a really good lesson for us we had to sit and talk and share and we're going to do this more often i don't think we've done that where we've sat down and talked about the things that were important to us and we
1: assumed it, and we okay. knew that this was a really good exercise for us, okay. and we're going to continue it. It's, it's different when you hear those actual words being spoken by your partner.
0: Right. And we have talked about telling each other your love story periodically. It's I find it, just listening, even though I kind of know your love story, I was around. <laughs> <laughs> Not for everything, thank God. But <laughs> But it it's just makes me happy that you two are so happy and it's all worth it. And tell, talking about your love story periodically, uh, it just brings you back to why you are still together.
3: You're right, Sherry. And I, I'm going to tell you one other thing. It, the nicest words Gary ever said to me that had the most impact was, I want to grow old with you. And I'll never forget when he said it. It was at the exact moment it needed to be said. And that was, we're talking about affirmations. That was one that meant everything to me. But, you know, different things mean different things to other people. But that was very important to me. And I appreciate that.
1: You're gonna make me cry, Reenie. <laughs>
3: oh, it's all fun. Come on over.
1: Joking and singing.
0: Gary and Reenie, thank you so much for being a part of our show today and for sharing your love story with our audience. I know everyone is going to appreciate this.
3: Well, thanks for having us, Fran and Sherry. We enjoyed it.
4: And Sherry, thank you for being there when Reenie was visiting, so I could have a reason to see her. <laughs>
1: No problem. <laughs> All these years later. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was great, Gary and Rini. Um, Please, again, extend my well wishes to um, your mom and dad, Renee And uh, I hope to see you guys soon. Okay, us too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys.
0: We want to thank our executive producer for her continued expert advice and critiques of our podcast. Many thanks to Park North Studios for mixing our audio. And very special thanks to our guests, Bill and Liz Wardo, and Gary and Irene Peters for telling their love stories and making our podcast so informative and beneficial to our audience. Of course, we always want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in and listening each week. If you would like to write a comment, our email address is modern.widow.podcast at gmail.com. Once again modern.whittle.podcast at gmail.com. You can listen to our podcast on the following apps, Anchor, Spotify, Breakers, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. I'm Sherry. And
1: I'm Fran. And next week, our friend Jay Julian returns for more about getting ready to get back out there. This week's quote comes from the well-known actress, Betty Davis. You will never be happier than you expect. To change your happiness, change your expectation. See you next week.
0: Bye-bye. It's like a diamond ring. It's a precious thing. And we never want to lose it.
4: It's like a favorite song that we love to sing. Every time we hear the music, and we're in
0: this love together, we got the kind that lasts forever. We're in this love together, and like berries on the vine,
4: it gets sweeter.